Hey everybody, before we get to the show, I wanted to bring you this ad from Bite Size Gaming. They have launched their new Kickstarter featuring 5th edition content to add to your games and campaigns. They've supported Down with D&D for a while now, and their new supplement is called Captain Heartchild's Guide to Oceanic Depths. It's filled with new material for DMs and players alike, focusing on an underwater theme. They've got three new aquatic races, dozens of new spells, and over 12 new subclasses, along with 10 unique villains and over 24 new monsters. It's really jam-packed. And let me just highlight one of them. The Black Admiral. So this is an undead CR-23 death pirate that used to once be a celestial being. The B.A. I mean, you could go with Black Admiral or what you're thinking, B.A. Baracus, or bad, uh, I can't say that thing because it's down with D&D. But you know what I'm talking about. They love to collect creatures in an undead menagerie. Their ship is an undead dragon turtle named Feldgru. I mean, it's an undead dragon turtle that's its ship. I mean, how cool is that? If that interests you, this book has gorgeous art from new artist Daniel DeNova. I've seen some of the pieces. The Black Admiral is very, very cool. And it features content from a host of guest writers. You can pick up the PDF for $15, and there's some print options too. Earlier bird specials are available, so dive in as soon as you can. Again, the Kickstarter is called Captain Heartchild's Guide to Oceanic Depths, and it's going on all throughout the month of November and into the beginning of December. Find it fast by searching for Oceanic Depths in Kickstarter or click on the link in the show notes. Now let's get on with the show. Get down with the end. Down with D and D. Down with D and D. Are you ready to get down with some D and D? I know I am, and I am joined as I am always joined by the magnificent, marvelous, and merry Mad Wizard Merwin. What is up, Sean? I am ready to record a podcast, Christopher. So ready. Yeah, me too. I'm so totally ready. And not only am I ready, it's going to be a hellish magic punk kind of show, right? Oh, it's going to be all sorts of Eberron and Avernus. Yes. Is that like a... That should be a TV show, Eberron and Avernus? Right. It's like it's, Avernus and Vice or something like that? Is it like Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder singing... Eberron and Avernus... Live together in perfect, yeah. Is that a thing? I actually don't know that song offhand. Eb- Ebony strange. and Ivory? You Ebony, don't know Ebony? I, I don't think I know Ebony and Ivory. I'm sure if I heard it, I would recognize it, but it's probably been years, so. Okay, you listeners out there, we need a satire song, Eberron and Avernus, instead of Ebony and Ivory. Yeah, I mean, earlier today I was kicking around, Hell Riders in the Storm. Yeah, you know, okay, yeah. You know, why not? Sure. <laughs> but yeah, so. Eb- Eb- Ebony and Ivory, I'm going to have to go listen to it later. Oh, yeah. I can't put it in the show because it's copyright infringement, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what we can do about that. All right, so if it's a parody, though. There you go. All right, let's get into some announcements now that we've gone through that silliness. Yeah, so it's going to be an all Eberron announcement. Do it. Do uh, it. What's session. the first thing? So, well, the first thing, of course, is that uh, the book, the hardcover, Eberron Rising from the Last War, is now out. It's out in stores. It's out online. D&D Beyond. If you go to your game store, you could get the alt cover. If you order online, you will only be able to get the regular cover, which is still beautiful. Um, so you've got uh, you know all these options. If you're a online person, D&D Beyond has all the content. 
for your tabletop needs. Uh, so what's the book itself? The book itself is 320 pages of Eberron goodness, including lots of new information or information that's been updated since it was released in playtest form in Wayfinder's Guide. So is is the Wayfinder's Guide still a viable book to acquire? It That's a great question, and it's not – it's something that I've heard – mixed um messages on because i'm I've, a little upset because i bought the wayfinder's guide and i right. thought that was going to be this book yeah well i mean the wayfinder's guide i heard said that this is going to be a playtest book this is a playtest book that has eberron stuff in it where we are ga- we being wizards are gauging interest and in, to see if we want to publish any more I also heard, and now this is like sometimes third-hand information. Uh-huh. Um, I've heard some some things directly from wizards, some things directly from other people, and then some things. Well, I heard somebody say, somebody say, but then I heard that if they published a book, the Wayfinder's Guide would be updated with new information to uh, show the changes from this playtest version to the real version. Oh, that see that would be fine with me because right. then they're two they're two separate books. But they're not just going to like be like, well, the Wayfinder's Guide, we're just going to shelve it and not do anything more with it. Right. Because that that was my understanding. Like, they would update the Wayfinder's right. Guide. And then, so when it was announced that this hardcover was coming out, people were you know obviously outraged because they had heard that the Wayfinder's Guide was going to be updated. Then I heard someone say, Jeremy Crawford said that the Wayfinder's Guide will be updated. Uh, it may take time, but it will. That's fine. I'm going to buy the other one anyway. Yeah, I'm a I mean, huge Eberron fan. So. Right. I mean, the, the, the hardcover book is much more expansive than Wayfinder's Guide. Mm-hmm. So even if Wayfinder's Guide is updated, if the content in it is updated, that doesn't mean they're going to add all the stuff from this uh, the Eberron hardcover, right? Mm-hmm. It just means that they will probably update what's changed between that and the, the official version. I'll tell you one thing. I need D&D Beyond to never go away because mm-hmm. I don't ever want to buy a hardcover book again. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I, so I, I'm, I'm starting to get like a serious investment in D&D Beyond, like hundreds of dollars of investment. Yeah. Well, I mean, the good news is D&D Beyond is a very viable company owned by another very viable company. Yeah. And so they could make money, you know, even if if you know, at some point there will be a 6th edition obviously. Because yes. there, there always will be until uh, the sun explodes and consumes the earth. Uh, so they have the means and the um, business plan, I would say, to stay open no matter what. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think so too. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not like. Uh, I'm not hyperly concerned about it. I'm just right. like, man. Every once in a while, you hear those stories about like, well, all this stuff is going digital now, but what happens when the stuff isn't supported anymore? Does it just go away? Like, does yeah. it does it does it vanish? Because it's not like it's a subscription. Like, I actually bought a thing, right? Yeah, but it's just yeah. digital, which is fine. Like, I have no problem. But I don't have uh, I don't have an ebook or a digital copy of it, right? So, like, if the website ever goes away, then right. all my stuff goes away, which yeah. I understand. I'm yeah, I'm I perfectly mean, fine with it. it. It obviously could happen. I just don't see it happening. Not anytime soon. Anytime soon. Exactly. Yeah. And so, okay, anyway, that's the kind of the business side of things. Yeah. So it's there. It's 320 pages, got everything that you would want to create your own Eberron campaign. Uh, people have asked, is there an adventure in the book? Yes, but it is very short. It's maybe 15 pages of, of an adventure. So it's, it's a good 
lead in to something, but it's not like you have a whole campaign in the book um, to to run. You know, it's it's cool because there's like now multiple sort of like adventure paths and going to be another one via AL that yeah. is uh, Eberron-esque. And for everyone out there, like I've been running the uh, what Ashes of the Last War. Embers camp- of the Last War. Embers of the Last War campaign. Right. I mean, I've been interspersing other other things of my own in it, but you can do that. Like, it works perfectly functionally. Right. I have some I have some questions about the pacing of that 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 what I'm essentially calling a plot point campaign because yep. it feels like that. But it's a uh, it's 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 good. It's good enough. Yep. Like, you, it's and good good fodder for adventure. Right there, there's a ton of stuff already up on the DMs Guild for Eberron adventure content, mm-hmm. and there will be a ton more. Uh, once people realize, oh, here's the Eberron book, and oh, by the way, I can make Eberron content and put it up on the DM Guild. Uh-huh. You can find everything you want or create your own and put it up there. Plus, starting and, in December, there's going to be this whole ad- other adventure path thing. And that's the next thing that we should talk about, Chris. What a great transition. It's almost like you, you know what's coming. Almost, and also like I've done this for like eight years. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So there is a new article up on the DMs Guild, or I'm sorry, on the Adventurers League website. It is called The Oracle Predicts the Future. And this talks about the Adventurers League uh, campaign set in Aberon called The Oracle of War. Yeah, I was going to say, did the Oracle predict war? Because, but you beat me to it, darn. Yeah, yep. So uh, what this article talks about is what's, what's out there so far which are four Tier 1 adventures. Um, they have already previewed at Gamehole Con, and they will pre- continue to preview at other large conventions or mid-sized conventions. Um, and if a mid-sized or large convention runs the four uh, Tier 1 adventures that tell their own little story, um, they can also run an epic set within that story. So those are going to be available um, to conventions, but the campaign officially launches December 2nd when the first adventure in the campaign uh, goes up on the DMs Guild. So December 2nd, look for EB1, the Nightland, on the DMs Guild. You can begin your uh, Adventures League Oracle of War campaign then. Can I uh, can I talk a little bit about that first adventure? Sure. So, everyone out there in listener land, if you enjoy Sean Merwin's writing style and adventure style, especially his short adventure style, you're really going to want to pick this up because it's essentially three short one to one and a half hour adventures inside of this inside of this uh, thirty two pages. That's the thirty two yep. pages. It might be twenty two pages somewhere in there. Right. I don't remember the page count, but it's really good and it gives you a nice little introduction to Salvation, the town of Salvation. Yep. So it's a it's a quick um, introduction to the the area where the characters are going to be from, and you know what the storyline is going to be initially, mm-hmm. um, and then every month following. So, like the you know early January, early February, early March, each of the next adventures will go up on the DMs Guild. Um, the next three adventures, uh, the t- starting with Tier Two, have also been announced in this article. Uh, They will preview first at Winter Fantasy in February, uh, and then it will be the same deal. If if a larger mid-sized convention wants to run them, they can get a preview version of them to run at their conventions. But otherwise, uh, they will go up on the DMs Guild each month following 
um, the fourth one that, that came out. And let's see, December, January, February, March. So April, May, and June, the next three will go up. And the final thing that the article talks about are salvage missions and salvage bases. And so this is important because some people are like, listen, I, I meet every week or every two weeks and I want to run this campaign, but adventures are only coming out once a month. Here is where you can create your own content to fill in those gaps. Uh, so salvage missions are uh, short missions that you can create. You cannot give out any treasure or um, levels. Well, you, you can actually give out levels, but I'll get to that in a second. You can't give out any treasure or magic items, so no gold, no treasure. But what these adventures do are allow your players to gain salvage. And what that salvage can be used for is to build a base in the Mornland. So the more you play, the more salvage you get, the cooler your base can be, and the, the stronger your base can be, and the more functional your base can be. Those bases that you build via these salvage missions at some point will come up in the core storyline adventures. So if you if you want to have a super powerful, super cool base, play these salvage missions. Find DMs who are running them, creating them, or getting them on the DMs Guild uh, if there are some up there, and play them. Then when the base comes up in the core storyline, you will have a cooler base than someone who hasn't played any and just has a standard base. Has somebody been playing a lot of Fallout? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I haven't, but... Did you come up with this idea? Uh, th this idea is one that's been around for a while. It's, it's a group effort. Everything in the Adventures League is a group effort. So uh, it's, it's something that fills it fills a few needs right mm -hmm. it fills the need of people wants to want to play every week well now you can yeah, yeah uh, play absolutely. these short salvage missions um you it's it's got a component of base building so if people like to do that like to customize and build their their base uh, you can do that and also people are like well what if i miss an adventure i'm you know i'm behind and since there's only 20 adventures how do i catch up you can run one of these salvage missions, and people who want to gain a level can gain a level. So if you get, even if you're, you know, three levels behind, play these three short salvage missions, and now you're get some levels. Yeah, levels. It's really if, if, cool. If it's for really some reason idea. you, yeah, and so you know, we're trying to make the campaign self-contained, uh, but we're also trying to make it as viable as possible to fit the needs of of people who want to play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, there will be a document that goes up on the DMs Guild, hopefully right around the beginning of the year. Uh, so, you know, end of December, early January. Oh, good. I was wondering when that was coming, so I could actually read it. Exactly. So it'll tell you, uh, it'll tell you how to build your base, how to use salvage to upgrade your base. Mm-hmm. Um, how to create your own salvage missions, the, the structure in which to create them. And then there will be some sample salvage missions um, to show you how to, to create one. So you can run the salvage missions that are pre-made, or you can create your own. And th these are still being worked out, um, the, 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 the actual rules themselves, but that is the overview of what they are. Uh I have uh, I have one more announcement about this. So if okay. you are local to Western New York, I will be out uh, running these adventures at local stores. 
So awesome. And I will probably be running some of these salvage missions. I'm still working out which which location will have me, and uh, I'm working with some of the local AL people to figure out where I'm going to be to do that. But you'll hear more about that in the future. That is awesome, Chris. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, it's Ebron, and I love it. And it's yep. you, so, I mean, that's also a good reason to do it because it's always going to be quality. <laughs> I will hopefully be able to do something similar. Um, probably not as often as you because I'm a little further away. Yeah. Uh, but but still, that, that would be... You know, that'd be great if you're in the Western New York area. And uh, like I said, we'll talk about that more as as more details are are, are coming forward. Yep. Um, last thing, because we got to kind of run through this because we're already a little bit more on time than we should be. Uh, Beetle and Grimm's announced the Eberron Gold Box. So if you know Beetle and Grimm's, they make all those really cool prestige boxes with all the bits and cool handouts and interesting uh relics and things that you can pull out of the box and show your players and whatnot. Uh, the gold box is something different. So they've done two platinum boxes and a silver box. So what's in a gold box? What they say is that it's not, it's got more stuff in it than a silver box, but not all the way out there amazing things that a platinum box has. So it's kind of that mid-tier level of mm-hmm. awesomeness. So it'll probably still be expensive, but it'll also have really cool things in it like Probably encounter cards and and handout maps and probably one or two nifty things that you can give to your players. Yep. And since all these boxes so far have been in support of adventures and the adventure in the Eberron book is so short, um, what they're going to put into the boxes, things that DMs can use when they create their own uh, Eberron campaigns. Yep. But they have not finalized what's in the box yet. So... They will be telling more uh, over the coming weeks. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it, too, and we'll continually update you all as we find out. Yep. All right, let's get into our main topic for the day. Mm -hmm. Descent Part 5, Elturel has fallen. And it can't get up. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really weird that you say that because it hasn't exactly fallen yet. It's falling. Yes, it's falling very, very slowly. Very slowly. Uh And it would just float up if not for these chains. But we'll get to that Mm -hmm. in a second. So, Sean, would you like to recap us? I will recap. So, at the beginning of the adventure, there was a uh, big smoking crater where where El Torel used to be. It had been dragged down to hell. Refugees who escaped are flooding into Baldur's Gate. And the Grand Duke, Older Ravenguard, is missing since he was in El Torel when it was dragged away. Um, the characters start by helping the Flaming Fist in Baldur's Gate, dealing with the Van Thampor family that is really trying to get Baldur's Gate and suffer at the same fate that Elturel uh, suffered. True facts. Uh, the characters foil that plot uh, in the, their first four levels, and they learn that Thavius Krieg, the former leader of Elturel, is behind what happened to the city. Uh, they can defeat him, and they can learn how and why Elturel fell. Along the way, the characters pick up a few friends, uh, Rhea the Hellrider and Lulu the Holophant, and they can head into Avernus to um, rescue El Torel from its horrible, horrible fate. By the way, that that's a TV show coming to you uh, in yep. the winter break, Rhea and Lulu, you know, yep. the Hellrider yep. and the Holophant. Eh, yep. There you go. I, I like it. Um, so just to recap what's, what the adventure's been like so far— it's been pretty cool in terms of helping new DMs uh, get the tools to run a game, right? The first chapter is quite easy for a DM to run because the it's quite linear. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is a little room for go here or go there, but for the most part, new DMs um, 
can run it without too much stress. There are some encounters that are hard, but in terms of just the flow of the game, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, now, as we get into Chapter 2, we're going to see the the design of the adventure change a little bit to give DMs a little more room to do different things. Yes. If, the, if they so choose. They can still run it pretty straight. Uh, but there's also room to diverge from that if they w- if they wish, and we'll t- we'll talk about that coming up. Yeah, it's uh, in general, it's like there's still a through line, but there is a little bit more custom mobility to the adventure as you go forward. Like you can do some different things, which I like a lot. Yep, very true. All right, so when you're running this chapter, everyone should be level five because you're in hell, and not being level five would be pretty terrible. Yeah, <laughs> there's a reason you don't start first level in. In hell, yeah. I, I still think being level five and in hell is pretty terrible, but at least you're not, you know, yeah. tier one. That, it that helps. Uh, you should have, hopefully, have Rhea with them, but you definitely need Lulu. Mm-hmm. She is the most important NPC and story driver in the entire adventure. She's mm-hmm. uh, Lulu is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, the first task is you must get to the high hall and clear it of danger, and that will get your characters to level six. And then at the high hall, you'll learn that Duke Ravenguard went to the Grand Cemetery to fight off demons. Um, and we'll we'll probably end our this episode uh, at at that point. But for the right. rest of the chapter, if you can clear the cemetery and rescue the duke and heal him of his malady, which he uh, got into a thing with Baphomet, which we'll talk about later, probably mm-hmm. next time, uh, you'll get to level seven and then get further instructions about what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. And as a DM, you should remember that the entire time that Eltrail is in this, uh, Eltrail is here. It's in a really really bad spot, and we'll highlight a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And there's only one reason that it hasn't been overrun and occupied by a bunch of devils, and that's because there's a sh- a ton of demons coming out of the river sticks trying to annihilate everything in in their path. Because that's what demons do, right? Yep. And so this is this is the way to slowly transition the characters into this horrible setting. Because while they are in Avernus, they are not really in Avernus at this point. Mm-hmm. They are they are in this city hovering above Avernus where things are bad but they're not as bad as they would be if they were in you know on the ground in Avernus itself yes yes it's clever because it's a little bit of familiar you're in a city like Baldur's Gate where you just were but it's a little bit unfamiliar because there's more uh devils and you're actually in hell and the companion is above you with its black lightning flicking around all over the place, and it's a problem. It, it is definitely a problem. All right, so when you get into Eltrail, we've already mentioned, like, there's demons to the left, there's devils to the right, and the PCs are stuck in the middle of hell. Mm-hmm. Also another music reference, because, you yep. know, we're doing music references today, apparently. <laughs> uh, we mentioned that the only reason the devils haven't p- taken the place over is because the demons are attacking. Uh, Eltrail is, is attached by a bunch of chains sinking slowly towards the river Styx. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of where we start. Uh, the yep. f- oh, yeah, there's another thing. As soon as you get into Eltorel, Lulu gets a memory. Mm-hmm. And she starts remembering things. And also with that memory, she uh, gets to cast light at will again. Yep. So that should uh, already – that that's a cool thing that's like, well, here's a story beat and a mechanical beat that goes right together. Yep. So her, her stat block is slowly unlocking, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that should give hope to the characters and give them one another point of progression. So, you know, as Lulu gets more memories and more abilities back, 
it's just a way to know to to signal to the characters yes you are making progress mm-hmm. um if you have Rhea Mantlemorn with you she will instantly push you to go towards the high hall which is probably where the leadership is hiding out which mm-hmm. she's correct um and if you have Gargoth with you, the shield of the Hidden Lord, he is not happy. He doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily let know that he's not happy, but he can't get out of the shield because he thought that he was going to get out of the shield um, as soon as he got back to the Nine Hells. And he wants to get out of the city to find some other way to escape. So Gargoth will be like needling the players to like move quicker and get out of get out of the city. Mm-hmm. And then the first thing happens. There's got to be an inciting incident, which we always like to have. And that's uh, the kids come under attack and and yep. their mother. Yep. So you want to tell us about that? Sure. So uh, as Chris said, you know, it's it's great to have an inciting incident. You don't put someone in a new place and just say, what do you do when there's no guidance? So the, the way to, to do that is to start with an encounter. And this encounter is most likely a combat as you see three bearded devils about to attack uh, a family. And I actually don't see how it can't not be a combat. That. Well, right. I mean, it's it, it is most likely going to be a combat. Uh, but so what what this shows is there's danger. Right. There's devils around, but there's also innocence around. Yep. So it's not like everyone in the city's dead there. There are there are survivors who w- are going to need help. Uh-huh. So that that sets the tone for the chapter right there. Absolutely. Um, you're in hell, but there's still this. There's still civilization in, in some way, shape, or form that um, is holding everything together. It's a great first encounter because it shows all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So we have these bearded devils. Um, the mother is defending her two children. She has a longbow, um, but obviously, you know, this one commoner with a longbow against three bearded devils isn't going to go well for her. So um, the the characters can can step in hopefully defeat the bearded devils if they want to try to get information out of them they they can they can bargain um, with them and they can also bargain with them because mo- all devils are looking for something mm-hmm. um so they can bargain with them to get information and then the if they even if they kill all the devils immediately um the the mother and the children can give them information on what's happening in the city it's true so, yep so immediately there's an information dump that will help the characters move on uh, in the story. Yeah, and if you don't have Rhea with you, then it's the mom that can point you towards the high hall. Right. So then in the in the book, the next thing is there's like a handling non-combat sidebar. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in here, Sean. You want to you wanna give me your take on it? Yeah, my take on it is I'm glad that, that they put this in because there, there will be um, in this section a lot of non-combatant NPCs who the characters will have to deal with. Um, it could turn into the characters leading this long train of survivors toward the high hall, uh-huh. which is an epic, you know, v- movie-wise, right? You could see this. We're, as we go, we're picking up all these people, and you know, you, the camera pulls back, and you see a whole line of you know, 40 people trudging through this ruined city toward, toward safety. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get that feel. That's a very narrative feel. But sometimes in D&D, the narrative and the mechanical, right, the game part of it and the story part of it are sometimes at odds. 
because what's cool narratively might not work mechanically or vice versa. I agree. So what this sidebar does is it tells you how to handle non-combatants in a way that can can serve the game mechanically or serve the game narratively, and you're you're kind of turning a dial between the two. Um, so if you if you're running a very mechanical game. The, these NPCs have stats, right? And they can turn into pawns on the board. So the the bad guys can threaten them. And yes. the, the characters might have to rescue them. And they become kind of a a detriment to what's going on. Yes, they can. Uh, there's also some good advice in there for how to handle that stuff, too. Like, well, just have them all act on the same initiative. Mm-hmm. And that that's a much easier way. And then have them act in mass. And don't you don't necessarily have to get into the nitty-gritty of them doing doing a lot of stuff on when it's their turn to act right they can just move or hide or get out of the way or you know right. maybe they can throw rocks i don't know they can right. aid exactly i mean any character a commoner can use the help action right to aid and give advantage or disadvantage uh, depending on the situation now the commoner is probably going to die in one round um if a devil or a demon or some other monster attacks them mm-hmm. and and then as as a game, you can you can add mechanical things to that. For, you know, for every character that dies, something bad can happen, and and you know you can set that up to uh, to be a mechanical thing and add to the game version as well as to the narrative version. That's that's a thing that I want to talk about later. There okay. are some situations um, with the NPCs in this adventure that seem highly traumatic to me and now the adventure doesn't talk about the trauma that these people are suffering from right but if you wanted to get into that you could it is right. not necessarily a thing that you have to have in your game but it is an option and it is there and and that yeah and that's going to go through the the entire um thing you know in this chapter it's even a little downplayed it's very um, much downplayed but you know in 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 the future of this adventure it's hard because you're in hell right people are 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 their souls are being tortured. They're being tortured. It's it's a you know it's hell. It's a, it's a horrible place. And you can you you can elevate that if that's what your table you know is into, or you can downplay it. But as Chris said, it is it is a huge part of this adventure. I mean, it can be right. Like you can play it for not that if you want. You can kind of gloss over it depending on mm-hmm. the style of your game. But it's there to be utilized if you want it to be. Right. So so just to summarize um, the sidebar. There's really no right or wrong way to use non-combatants. If you just if you just want them to be a narrative thing, you can just push them to the back. If there's a combat, the characters take care of the combat, and then magically the non-combatants are back. Uh-huh. Um, you know, in 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 the scene. Uh, if you want to use them narratively to up tension, then you can have. You know, if they're fighting five demons or five devils, and one of them breaks off and runs toward this group of non-combatants, it doesn't have to come into play mechanically, but narratively, it's it's adding some tension. It is, and then you can have some cool moments like the mom will step out in front with her longbow and start shooting. Right, exactly, and and even like one of the NPCs, if if a character falls, right, if a PC falls, the one of the NPCs can run over and tr- do a medicine check to stabilize them, uh-huh. but, die, but die in the process. Oh, uh, or right? sur- or sur- give them a or chance survive. to survive, and then they can actually become important. Exactly. So you know, any of those things can can add to the the story that you're telling. Yeah, there's all uh, kinds of options. Right. 
So, so just just keep that in mind. What does your what does your party want? You know, what do what do your players want? Do they want this big, dramatic, sweeping narrative where every NPC is important and has their own story, or are they more you know pushing plastic on the on the board? You know, if that's the case, then play it play it differently. Just, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Because it's all about that unity of effect, right? I what, agree with what you. effect your your players want. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, all right, let's talk about. There's another section right after that called Encounters in El Trail because you know where you're going now, and then you have to get there. So this is how to handle random encounters and a number of random encounters for El Trail, and I think it's pretty sensible. You make a check between each major location. There's not many, at least uh, here. There's uh, you for for this part. You have to go to these bridges, and then you have to go across the bridges and to the high hall, and that is where you get to with that. Um, so there are probably two of them at least at this section. And you just roll a d20 and on 11 plus you get an encounter. And there's a lot of flavorful and solid encounters in this section, if you ask me. And just reading through it as a DM can give you a better feel for what life in Eltrail has been like. Um, do you want to look at a few of them, Sean? Sure. Uh, why don't you talk about a couple and I'll talk about a couple. Sure. So there is uh, one called a ghastly meal. So that's a bunch of ghasts. You come upon them eating a family. And once you, you can deal with them or not, your choice... You could just walk away, I suppose, but or you can have them like walk around the corner, and, like, oh look, they see you, and you see them as they're chowing down. Mm-hmm. But if you do deal with them, there's a poor girl that's been hiding and hearing the guests doing these things, eating these people inside of a cupboard. That will then come out, and or you'll hear her, and you can open the door, and she'll attach herself to the first person she sees. Mm-hmm. This is one of those moments where I'm talking about like. If you want to play up on the trauma side of things, like this is a traumatic event for this poor kid. Yep. So that's, that's a, true. That's a good one. Uh, one of the ones that I want to talk about was the imp sales pitch. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. So, and this kind of it goes in the opposite direction of this horrible, traumatic thing that these people are going through. Um, well, it kind of touches on it. And there's an imp who is trying to get a halfling to sign a contract. To get the halfling to give the halfling food, because the halfling has a family hiding in in a home somewhere, and he forages out to try to find food because they've been here for a while now and they're running out of food and water. So he goes out and this imp promises him food and water for if he just signed this contract, and the halfling isn't smart enough to read the contract and uh, understand it. So if the characters come across this, they can sort of step in. And this reinforces what will come in the adventure later as this wheeling and dealing and selling your soul and, and trying to get the trying to come to an agreement so you can get what you need while someone else gets what they need. And they're gonna have to deal with with devils along the way, most likely. Uh-huh. So this is that, that quick introduction to you can get stuff, but you have to be very, very, very careful. Yeah, absolutely. Also, this poor baker. I mean, it's a baker that's been that's dealing with essentially a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, I actually have a question about this. Mm-hmm. Can you sell your soul if you've already sold your soul? That is a great question. Um, the, re- the reason I say it is because all of these people have already sold their soul to Zariel via the yeah. book. Via, so, yeah. That, so, that's a great question, and I think I don't know if there's an answer in in the adventure itself. No, I, there, I, as far as I can tell, there isn't. Because this brings up an even more important question, which is, what's a soul worth? Right? 
uh, can you sell your soul if you've already sold your soul? Um, can a devil tell if you've already sold your soul? Yeah, that's a good you know? one right there. Because then, 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 then you can then you can do. But if you've already sold your soul, then you know you just go and sell your soul more times. Right. And, and what are the mechanical consequences of having sold your soul? You know, all of these questions are weren't important up until this point, and now they become important. Very important. And unless I miss something in the book. Uh, I haven't seen an answer to these questions uh, in some of the adventures, league adventures that they've been answered, uh, but here they haven't. So you need to decide as a DM what does the what are the answers. Make it personal to your campaign, but make it clear to the characters as early as possible so they can make the the hard narrative choices that you're going to have have them make, as well as the hard mechanical choices. If you sell your soul, and that means you cannot be raised. That's that's big. That's a huge thing, right? Oh right, my! Right. Um, you know that's 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 mechanically and narratively huge. Other things that might be narratively huge, but not mechanically huge. So it's it's important to figure all of that out. All right. So that's the random encounter section. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, oh no, I wanted to talk about one more thing. I think it's important. There's mm-hmm. an encounter called "Cry for Help." Yep. Uh, this is a dupe. So the person looking for help is actually an incubus, and I like the encounter, but it could make the PCs not trust the, any survivors they come across at that point. Mm-hmm. So I would only use this encounter if I thought it wouldn't sway the group too harshly in the future. That's a very, very, very good point. So that, that's one of those ones like know your group, know if they'll like that, if they'll uh, trust that situation going forward or not. And if, uh, if not, then maybe not to use that mm-hmm. one. Um, I guess there's one more I want to mention. There's a one that's called the Naz. Nazargon uh, Cavalier. This is the black dragon on the first level encounter table. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it don't don't fight it, and Lulu right. will tell you not to fight it. Right, and and again, this that reinforces the fact that they may come across things that are much more powerful than them, and they just need to deal with it in a different way than fighting. Because um, if they just try to fight everything they see down here, uh, they're going to be in trouble. Uh huh. All right. So the next written encounter is Torm's Bridges. So, man, there's a lot of devils on these bridges guarding the bridges. Mm-hmm. There's uh, two bearded and four spine devils times two because there's two bridges, and each bridge has that on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the spine, this encounters a, a straight-up fight. Like, you have to get across it to get to the other side. It's not really a straight-up fight, though, because Torm's Bridge has a holy rune set on it that you can activate, which will do a bunch of damage to the devils on the bridge. Mm-hmm. That's a really good way to start the encounter. If you if the PCs can figure out how to use those runes and then make the check, um, mm-hmm. another thing to think about is that the spine devils can fly, so the ones from the one bridge will get there way faster than the bearded devils. So that's something. There's like a pacing thing to like yeah. waves of waves of combat. Like the the spine devils will probably get there in a round, like at the end of the end or the beginning of the second round, and then the bearded devils will get there at like the third or the fourth round. I, I think those bridges are quite far apart. Are they? Yeah, if I think if I look on the map, I think those bridges are on opposite sides of the town. One's way to the north, I think, and one's way to the south. Well, here, let me may... let me open up the adventure. Let me open up. Yeah, the map. I mean, let's the map take a look at that. Right there, I'm pretty sure it's the only way across, and I think they're right next to each other. Okay, let me let me also. Oh, I don't want to tear the nice big. Map oh no, out. they're pretty far away from each other. You're right. Yeah. So maybe it's not that big of a deal. Although if one of them signals to the other group, then the ones will fly. Right. I mean, I, I could see it, you know, maybe a few minutes later. Yeah. But but not right away. 
I feel um, like it'd be more fun if they were right next to each other. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm wrong. Don't don't right. listen to me. Uh, yeah. Unless you want to, that because that, that could make for a much more uh, dynamic and interesting encounter. Yeah. And and part of this is remembering that El Torel is a very very holy city, and it's built on you know this lawful good paladiny ethos. So even though everything about it, because of the companions' corruption, um, is twisted, there are still these small pockets of good, and root like the runes on the bridge dedicated to Torm can uh-huh. be so always be looking for for those things. It helps the players um, visualize or uh, remember that they're not just their skill at arms or their po- powerful spells can get them through this. There will be other things. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about the high hall then. Mm-hmm. So the point of this is you fight your way through it to get a bunch of information. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, 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 the gig here. Um, at the entrance, there's a couple of hellhounds. It's a straight enough, it's a straightforward enough fight, although it allows the use of trickery with a stealth check to gain advantage on the hellhounds. And this is when I realized, like, most of the fights I've noticed in this place are not straight fights, which is very thematic. And I love that kind of, like, combat anyway, where you can use some trick or advantage to, to get around a thing or to get mm-hmm. an advantage over a thing. But that's, like, a theme, I think, for... Since they've gotten to hell, it's, like, one of the themes that's going on with these these situations. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, moving on from there, the cit- the cathedral this building there are four groups of devils that are rampaging around and here's where your design gets kind of interesting because there's advice for how to adjust these encounters to make them harder more complex or easier on the pcs and the dm and it also lets the dm decide where the encounters are going to be Mm -hmm. and that is a new thing like that we haven't really seen that in this adventure yet right it's what i see it as is the first step in helping dms create their own stuff Yes. So it, it's not here's the group and here's the setting. It's here are some groups you can use. Here are some settings you can use. Hey DMs, put them together in a cool way for your players. Uh huh. It's it's like here's the here, uh, I'm misdirected, Mark, and I think on this show I've mentioned like adventures and adventures are generally built out of elements. Like there's a bunch of different elements and they are they all fall under different categories. But this is like giving you a bunch of elements and being like, well, how do you want to put them together? Mm-hmm. And then also advice on, like, if you want it easier or harder, here's a ways that you can put them together to make them easier or harder, which is right. really useful. Yep. If if there's a room in the cathedral, in the High Hall Cathedral, that where you know, there's an altar that can be turned on to do radiant damage to things around it, then you, if you want an easier thing, an easier combat, put a group of monsters in there and allow the, the players to make use of that setting and if you um, want a harder encounter uh, yep. i will just mention h4 area h4 there is a uh, corrupted altar in there and yep. if you're fighting in that area then you are vulnerable to all damage as a player right. character yep and and so you know you're you're mixing and matching you you are building a little piece of an adventure um to to fit the needs of your story your story, not the adventure, but your particular player's story, uh-huh. uh, and and the the strength of their party. If you have a group of maxed out power gamers, put them in that room and see how it goes. Um, if you're playing with a bunch of new characters, uh, new players who who have had a hard time so far, put them in an easier location 
and let them learn how to use location uh, to their advantage. So do you want to pick one cool thing from this area that you wanted to highlight, and I'll pick one cool thing that I thought to highlight? Yeah, you, you, go, you go ahead. You go first. All right. So there is a pipe organ up mm-hmm. on the second level, and if you're any good at playing the pipe organ, and in other words, a DC-15 charisma performance check, you can grant everybody in your party essentially bardic inspiration. Mm-hmm. You get a D8 that you can use on a D20 roll at some point in the future. Although, it doesn't say this, but I'm saying this, it will alert everyone in the building to your location. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're playing a pipe organ, so that's pretty fun. I, I really like that little uh, little tidbit right there. Yeah, I, I like... Um, I'm trying to figure out one to, to highlight. Um, I, I like... Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off. Sure, no problem. Uh, do you mind if I mention another one then? Please do help me out. So there is a druid named uh, Seltern who is got knocked, uh, got got beat up, and pretended to play dead, and has been sitting in a bunch of dead bodies pretending to be dead for a while now. You want to talk about trauma? Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. That's traumatic. Uh, this character can be very useful because they can cast Goodberry. And they have a bit of story because they're fearing their ability to cast spells is waning. Like they're in hell, they're they're not as in touch with nature. They're scared, and really, it's just it's just uh, their mental situation is is kind of broken. Mm-hmm. And that's another another uh, theme. You know, these are people in hell. They're they're going to be broken souls, right? So they're not quite broken yet, though. So you could help them. And what you're doing then is you're creating an encounter. That is role playing. Yep. But you have a, you know, you have your information. Um, you have potential outcomes. If you can bolster this person, if you can talk to them, if you can role play with them in in a positive manner, the the mechanical outcome can be you now have this new resource, someone who can heal, someone who can help others. So uh, even though it's a non mechanical um encounter the role playing there is a mechanical benefit to it so you you are you're expanding what the way you can use the game mm-hmm. and if you want to put a mechanical thing on the back end of it you just have them make a persuasion check on the sure. back end of the conversation yep that that works as well i mean mm-hmm. you can you can totally do that i would prefer in my games and you could do whatever you want in your games that you have the conversation first though yeah uh, yeah and and if the conversation goes well, if they if the players role play well and say the right things, just it's an automatic success on that check. Uh huh. Absolutely, I'm with you 100. percent Yep. Uh, it's like the it's like the the choice trees of of video games, where like you're talking to the person and then you pick the right choice tree. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, so that's the, the high hall. Eventually, you'll get down into the basement. Um, mm-hmm. There, it, farther into the basement, there is a person named Feria, who is the last acolyte that's down here that's any got any kind of ability to defend people and a hundred uh, commoners mm-hmm. and Feria has the book the i forget the name of the book the book though is the yeah the you put your the hand tome on of it. the creed resolute yeah that's the thing that you put your hand on you you recite the creed resolute and your name goes in it and then you're uh, bound to zuriel mm-hmm. that's a bad bad book but destroying it doesn't yeah. do anything because you're already bound so right. bad bad book uh, that's a, it's, and then you move on and that's where we're going to stop, I guess, talking about our adventure for the day. 
Yep, we'll we'll go on to part six where we talk about the Grand Cemetery and escaping the siege next time. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do some Patreon shout-outs. Uh, Kettle and Clock, Mike Amer, Ninjabi, Richard Ruane, Roy Mc- McLeod, uh, Savannah Sizer, Scott Ryder, Steve Bissonette, Steve Radabaugh, The Tabletop Bellhop, Tad Lechman, T. Kustik, Theodore Atkinson, Victor Wyatt, Zach Goins, Brett Just Brett, Chris Steele, because you have to say it like that, otherwise it mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. The Rainmaker, Sean P. Kelly, Noah Bond, and uh, Chris Foster, who is also known as Best Chris. I don't know. I don't know why that is, but I'll, I'll give it to him. He could be best mm-hmm. Chris. It's fine. I could. I could be worse Chris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you all so much for being our patrons. And speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Down with D and D, you can click on the link to our Patreon page on the website. And for two dollars a month, you can get yourself a shout out. Mm-hmm. Or for four dollars a month, you get a shout out like you just heard. But you also get to see our pre-production show notes, and you get access to our Slack room where we talk about all sorts of D&D or RPG-related things, and you can pick our brains or tell us what you think. I mean, when you ask us, mm-hmm. th- then we do talk about it, especially when you ask us. But we have a new thing for patrons now, Chris, don't we? We do. We have the sneak attack. The sneak attack is 10 to 15 minutes of us talking about something else uh, after the end. I mean, if you were on this one, then you're going to get the start of that UA conversation, uh, mm-hmm. the new class options. Yeah, we're going to talk about those... Um, for the sneak attack yeah so you know get on the patreon that's only for a dollar a dollar will get yeah. you that show plus a bunch a do- of other stuff yeah a dollar a month you get a whole bunch of stuff so we would so much appreciate that mm-hmm. uh, you know if you can't help us with money though you can give us a boost with an apple podcast review or a review anywhere or a shout out yep those help us even if you're not listening via apple Podcasts. so you know give us a review it makes us more visible give us a shout out on social media facebook twitter instagram my face space page whatever mm-hmm. whatever you got we would love to to hear from you you know um speaking of those shout outs like on that internet place sean like at twitter tw- on twitter somewhere at sean merwin is that someplace where people could shout out about down with dnd to you i would love you if, to, if you would go off at sean merwin on twitter or go to our forums and and, and talk to us at forums.misdirectedmark.com but i bet chris if they if they shouted out to the light 101 or at misdirected mark that that would even be better. Yeah, absolutely. Because I also see those on both of those accounts, and then I can like retweet them and say thank you and talk to you about D and D and whatever else you want to talk about concerning role playing games or football or anything really. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you want to get even more misdirected Mark content, you can go to the website. You can also go to our new Twitch channel uh, where, where we have shows up on there and especially our YouTube page if you prefer YouTube rather than a podcatcher because all of our shows are up there, including this one, the Gnomecast. Mm-hmm. Several gnomes from the Gnome Stew, they get together to talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you and avoid being thrown into the stew, although I think we're all clones. Mm. Down with D&D is a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So, Sean, what are we going to do now? We're going to go kill some monsters in hell. You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D&D? Yeah, down with D&D. You down with D&D. Yeah, you know down with D&D. Yeah, you know I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know